Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Side, as always, I keep saying it. The reason you tune in, Ray Crockett. Ray, how you doing today, buddy? I'm good. I'm good, man. How was your Thanksgiving? Did you have a lot to be thankful for? Dude, I'm like you. Every time, every morning I wake up, I'm thankful, and uh, hey, that yes, was sir. a great day. Yes, I will sir. tell you this, though. Um, Thanksgiving was interesting this year with the in-laws. It's funny, before I get moving forward, Ray, let me ask you this. Do you think we should release these before the podcast podcast we have? Because, like, it's funny because I've listened every time to the first part before we start the show, and I'm like, that's some raw good stuff right there, man. That's some raw. I think that that's that's like made for prime time type stuff. So, anyway, maybe we need to think about that. Yeah, maybe we'll give them uh, a bonus show or some bonus clips or something. You know? Well, when we start going live, we can just turn it on and be like, all right, this there you is go. before the show. Love it. Love it. Yeah, yeah we so, can do that. That works. Well, last time we talked, Teddy Bridgewater made a, a business decision. Um, then the Denver Broncos get a bye week. They come out and just made the Chargers look silly. And to Teddy's credit, he took that ball. I don't know if it was a keeper or a broken play. Anyway, he took that ball around the end, got it into the end zone, showed a bunch of moxie, and that was kind of like uh, – it was like an I'm sorry to the de- for Broncos country. But it was good, man. It was good. It was a great play. And, you know, the way the Denver Broncos played against the Chargers, it's so weird. It was like you get a team – of the Broncos team that plays against teams like the Cowboys and the Chargers – and then you get some other stuff like with Philly, like you never know what you're going to get each weekend. But last yeah. week against the Chargers, it was amazing. Yeah, yeah. The Broncos are like a box of mixed chocolates. You never know which one you're going to get. And and at the end of the day, if you get that real dark chocolate, that nasty one, you don't want to eat it. If you get one of the caramel chocolate ones, hey, that's the good one. You know, right. so that, that's where we are. We, we are like a box of chocolates. But I will say this, on both of those days, as far as the Dallas Cowboys and as far as the Los Angeles uh, Chargers, they both helped our case. It, it was like, yes, we look good, and, and, and we ended up, you know, looking great, but both teams, the Chargers and the Cowboys, helped our case as far as to look like a really good football team. I mean, the Chargers were not clicking on all cylinders. They played, quite frankly, they played like dog, you know, dog doo-doo, you know, in, in a couple of series and a couple of quarters and, and it just didn't play well. But at the end of the day, I, I tell people there's nothing about luck. I don't believe in luck. I, I believe preparation meets opportunity and you create your own luck. So I believe that the Broncos were prepared. And as you uh, alluded to, Teddy Bridgewater definitely wanted to come out and show Broncos country Hey, that that I'm not what you saw on that one play, which I knew he would. I told you that as well. Mm-hmm. I said that's the best thing. It's the worst and the best thing that could ever happen to Teddy Bridgewater in a Broncos uniform. 
was it was the worst thing for him and, and his family and, and his ego and his heart because he knew that was a, a, a you know, lack of, of effort play, lack of daysical play, whatever you want to call it. So going forward, you're going to see all that Teddy has to give, to give from an effort standpoint, from an energy standpoint, because he knows he owes Bronco country, you know, to show, and he owes, his, and he owes it to himself. Let's just be real. On the back of his jersey, it says Bridgewater. Does not say Broncos. Broncos are on the front. On the back is Bridgewater. And, and Bridgewater was would let himself down, you know, that, that week. And we won't talk about that anymore. So going forward, you're going to see these plays. You're going to see Teddy. He's going to go out there and he's going to play to the best of his ability. He's going to play hurt. He's going to play energized because he knows he, he's repaying the debt. It's kind of like, you know, you going out. And, and you borrowing money from me. You borrowing money from me. Every time you see me, you're going to be looking the best that you can because you know you owe me money and you hadn't paid it all back to me. You know what I'm saying? So you're going to be super nice. You're going to be, hey, Ray, what's going on, brother? You look good today. How's your mama doing? How's your daddy doing? You're going to be doing all that until you pay my money back. So that's kind of what Teddy Bridgewater is. He's repaying a debt. And the debt is to Broncos country. And, and quite frankly, I'm, it's good to see. It's good to see. I'm just excited more so than anything that there's been a couple of good weeks, two or three good weeks out of four or five, that the offensive game plan has looked like we really watched film on the other team and we really attacked that team. You're talking about us going out and, and rushing the ball 30 plus times each time that is our formula i mean finally it looks like Shermer is is presenting to fangio into broncos country an identity he's presenting to us this is our identity run the ball and play action pass or get some quick hitter passes off of that but running the ball is our identity you're talking about 31 rushes from melvin gordon and jay williams apiece and, and Williams putting the ball in the right guy's hand down around the goal line. The guy is a bowling ball to get down. I mean, he, in my opinion, and don't get me wrong, Broncos country, Melvin Gordon averaged 4.9 yards a carry off of 17 carries, almost 100 yards, 83 yards. So he played well. But I do feel that Williams is continually showing that he wants to be in every down back. He wants to be a back that you say, hey, I'm going to give you the majority of these carries. You, you know, you're absolutely right. Like Javante Williams, it, it's funny because a lot of people are like, yeah, if he got more carries, he could be considered for rookie of the year or that. As Broncos country, we don't care about that. We've seen running backs. I mean, I don't know if you agree with this. I think certain running backs have a number of carries in their career. I mean, some of them are a lot like Adrian Peterson and some of them, uh, might not be as many, but it's okay by me, Melvin Gordon out going out there, trying to get another paycheck, getting a lot of carries and letting Javante Williams come along. But I think you're right. hundred percent. He's ready to go. And Ray, let me ask you this because I, I, I am like, I'm not sold on Pat Shermer yet. Like that. We have an identity. Teddy Bridgewater was banged up for the game. And if they had any, uh, confidence in Drew Locke whatsoever. He may have started that game, but then Teddy had to go out. Drew came in for a few plays, threw a really horrible pick. Uh, Teddy, Brit it was horrible. And then Teddy yeah. came back in. And 
I'm like, okay, I'm wanting it to be like you said, like in in Dallas and in uh, against the Chargers, they ran the ball a ton. The offensive line looked like they enjoyed blocking for run plays. You know what they I'm do. saying? And that the the line was banged up. I give that offensive line, man, mad props because man, no matter who you threw in there, it was fine. It was it was it, and, it was and, gonna and, happen. But see, it's it's so much easier to when you have a makeshift line, it's easier to run block than it is to pass block. Trust sure. and believe. It, it takes a, a different athlete to pass block, and it takes communication to pass block as well. When you run blocking, it takes just a person that has a mother you know, <laughs> attitude about himself to say, I'm going to kick this dude ass in front of me. And, and you can get a lot of guys to do that. You don't have to be a great athlete to do that. You just have to be a mean-hearted mother ucker and go yeah. out there and get it done. So with that being said, I give Sherman credit to at least realize that, hey, we have a makeshift line. This is not the time to try to drop back 30, 40, 50 times or whatever and throw the ball. This is the time to try to establish some physicality and say, let's just go mano a mano and I beat you or you beat me. And and with that being said, I'm happy about that. I'm with you. I don't know if 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 he's realized that that should be the game plan, but at least he realized the situation and the circumstance. Yeah. And I'm going to give him credit for that. I'm not going to give him credit for saying, "Hey, you know, he's arrived and he understands this that and the other." No, I'm not going to give him all that credit. But I will give him credit for at least realizing and understanding the situation and the circumstance. Now, as far as Drew Locke, I'm disappointed, man. I'm disappointed. Everybody, yeah, everybody's is, is studying, you know, trying to give this kid a break. Damn that. Damn that. I've seen a lot of quarterbacks come up, come off the bench with no reps during my, you know, decade and a half in my career. Come off the bench with no matter of fact, you guys want to remember it, Broncos country. You guys are a lot younger than myself. But when I was in Detroit, we had Rodney Pete. Eric Kramer never took a rep, never took a single, single rep in practice. Literally, all he did was play on the scout team. Rodney Pete turns his Achilles. Eric Kramer comes in and literally goes 95% completions, scores two touchdowns, no interceptions, and plays well. Quit giving these excuses, talking about, oh, he hadn't taken many reps and all. I don't care about that. Not taking reps has nothing to do with your mind, has nothing to do with with your understanding and your reading of coverages and understanding of the game plan. That has nothing to do with that. That interception he threw was horrific. It was an interception that I wouldn't throw if I go out right now without a rep since high school at quarterback. I wouldn't throw that interception. So, I'm not going to give him all these breaks. He's a backup quarterback, and and you have to put yourself in a backup quarterback position and go out there and perform. That's what you're getting paid for. So don't don't give me all these excuses talking about, hey, if he would get more reps and this, that, and the other. No, man, you got to make better decisions. Do you do you have more faith that if they would have thrown Brett Rippon in there that he would have taken care of the ball better? Probably so. I mean, because it, being a backup quarterback is a mindset, yeah. right? 
first and foremost, you can't go out there and say, I'm still trying to win the job. No, you're not. You're a backup. You're trying to preserve this victory. You're trying to go out and either preserve the victory and either or either give us a spark. That's what you're trying to do. You're not trying to go out and press and, and make plays to, to, to show the Broncos country and the coaching staff that, that I should be the starter. No, you sink into your role, you understand your role, and you go out and perform. That's what being a professional is all about. So either do it one or the other. Be a professional, get the hell on. It's just it's that simple. Well, going to the other side of the ball, someone that proved he is more than a professional is Patrick Sertan. He went out there, had a career day for him. I want to ask you this before we get to uh, Pat. Everyone's talking about how Vic Fangio may have confused Justin Herbert with uh, the way that some of the coverages and things like that. Did you see that number one? And if you did see that, how was he doing it? I, I in all honesty, I didn't see it. Okay. I didn't see confusion. I saw I saw Ekelar make a tip pass. Herbert threw it, threw it a little high. Got a little pressure, threw it a little high, and it was a tip pass. Sertain was in cover two, makes a play, touchdown. It wasn't that great of a play, in all honesty. I mean, I'm just going to be real. What it was, it was a great way of putting yourself in position and understanding the coverage and knowing where you should be. And the ball just falls in your hand. But that's going to happen, and it should happen sometime as a DB. You know, as a DB, sometimes you're just in the right place at the right time, and if you play enough good football, this is what I tell corners. I tell corners all the time. If you make enough plays, I'm not talking about interceptions. I'm saying if you put yourself in position enough to make plays, to get pass breakups, to make solid tackles, to, to be in solid coverage, the plays will start to come. The interceptions will start to come. And that's, once again, that's because I don't believe in luck. I believe in preparation meets opportunity. Sertain has prepared himself week in and week out. He's, he started off early where, where he, he was a little lack in coverage, you know, just getting up to speed. College and pros is different speed. So it took him a couple of games to understand, hey, I can't attack this shoulder. I can't attack that shoulder. I can play here. I can I can fake and lull them to sleep here. Or I can cheat this coverage. It takes a while to understand all those things. So now he's getting to the point to where he really understands what the Broncos' defense is about. He understands what the coverage scheme is. And he understands what the other guys are doing in the coverages. So that's where those plays came from. The, the tip ball, like I said, was just an overthrow by Herbert to uh, Ekelar. Ekelar got his hands on it. That play could have been caught for a five- or six-yard gain if it was one inch shorter or, or you know, lower. Or if it's another inch higher, it's a pick. Sertain caught it. You know, he was in the right place, right time. Prepared, picked it off, and took it to the house, which is what he's supposed to do. Great play. I didn't see much confusion there, though. It was regular mm -hmm. cover two, just a cover right. two. Bad ball. Now, the second interception was the underthrow. Sertain was in great position. You know, the tight end was, quite frankly, if the ball is thrown over where it's supposed to be thrown to the back of the end zone, that tight end has a chance to make a touchdown because Sertain was playing underneath. But what Sertain understands is that he's 6'2". 
You know, he's six one and a half, six two, long arms. He has he has the ability and the catchability as far as that is greater than other corners, shorter corners like Darby and myself, who are five ten. His catch radius is a lot higher. So he understands he can play underneath some of these tight ends or some of these wide receivers rather than playing on the top. And the quarterback will have to make a perfect throw to get it over him, or he underthrows it and I get a pick. That's where I give Sertan credit, and that's where I give him under, you know, credit for understanding his ability, for understanding his athletic ability, and understanding the coverage. That's how he got that interception. Once again, it's not luck. It's preparation meets opportunity. And he's preparing himself not just from a physical standpoint, but from a mental standpoint as far as understanding coverages. I didn't see much confusion there either. I thought under, I saw an underthrown ball. So, yeah, and that's kind of what, what I was thinking. I mean, like, you know, these are professionals. Yeah, Justin Herbert's fairly young, but he's seen pretty much anything that could have been thrown at him. And that doesn't mean he can't get confused. I want to talk about these other guys on the defense for me that are just kind of shining uh, for me. You got Kenny Young. Baron Browning, Kenny Young, Stephen I love Weatherly. that kid, man. I, I definitely want to talk about Kenny Young. Kenny Young is a kid. I, I hate. I don't mean to interrupt you, but I do. No, you're good. Interrupt you. Kenny Young is a kid, man. I love this kid. I, he's one of those guys that that you just lucked up. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You, you know what I'm saying? You, you. Now that's one of those things where, hey, sometimes you know every squirrel gets a nut, and and, and we just lucked up and got a guy who fits our defensive scheme perfectly, and, and and he's a player. He's a player, man. He's one of those guys that I feel that we should be trying to keep around for, mm-hmm. uh, for a long time. You know, and it's funny, too, because we all know A.J. Johnson, man. He's a, he's a big-time run stopper. But I'm looking down the road, and Browning has played well, and Weatherly's been good, Cooper. I mean, a lot of these young guys have come in and played really well. But, like, down the road, I could see, like, AJ Johnson and Keddy Young just right in the middle, man. That's that could end up being a really good dynamic duo for the Broncos. Yeah, because it's a combination pack. You know, Kenny Young is a smaller guy. You're talking about mm-hmm. 6'1, 230, 235. You know, he's a smaller guy. And, and, and he's been in the league. Like I said, he's been in the league for a while. You're talking mm-hmm. about he came in the league in 2018, you know, fourth round draft pick. So he's right at the verge of that explosion moment, you know? And 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 I feel that he's a guy that we should be looking to to put him on a, a long-term contract because he can do multiple things. When A.J. Johnson comes back, he, he's a guy that's not just built to be a middle linebacker. He can do multiple. He can play multiple positions and do multiple things for us. So he's a guy I really like, man. I really like this guy. And I think sometimes... It's one of those things where you can be a great player and be in the wrong scheme mm-hmm. and not look as good as far as production-wise. I feel that he's one of those guys that our scheme fits him perfectly for his athletic ability and his talent, and, and he's going to be very productive in this scheme. So if they are looking, you know, I, I don't know what they're talking about doing, you know, from a coaching standpoint – but if they're looking at, you know, Fangio being here, he definitely fits his scheme. I'll say that for sure. You know, it's funny you say that as far as uh, time and place, because a lot of people are talking about not so much after Patrick Sertan had such a 
a, a great game, but they're always like, you could have had Mac Jones. Mac Jones wouldn't be Mac Jones with the Denver Broncos. Like oh. he's not going to be the guy you see today. Not, not at even all. close. Not at all. And, 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 I, and I, I alluded to that a couple of weeks ago when you and I talked about it. Mac Jones is Mac Jones because he went to a coaching staff that understands how to coach him, that has a scheme for him, and, and that put together a game plan as far as a, a offensive scheme for his athletic ability and for his talents. And quite frankly, let's not, let's not get it twisted. He has probably the best coach to, to ever do it, mm-hmm. you know? And, and we don't have those things here. We don't have an, 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 you know, an offensive coordinator who, who's very creative like that guy is over there. We don't have a head coach that makes the right decisions as far as picking the players. And, and that's not you know, Don't get it twisted. They went out and spent the most money this offseason because they knew they was getting that guy. They knew they was going for Mac Jones, so they went out and spent money and put guys around him to help him be successful. I'm not quite sure if the Broncos would have done that either. So, you know, man, let's 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 really just throw that away. And right. Stop saying that Mac Jones would be this, that, and the other. Hey, we got the guy we got, and and certain was a great pick. I said he was a great pick for us when we picked him, and I still believe that today. You know, the, the so obviously Broncos coming off that Chargers victory before we get to the Chiefs, which, um, you know, the NFL flex the game, flex the Broncos in there, man. That hasn't happened in a while. So we'll get to that in a second. I do want to say two things to you, though. I forgot what crew was working the game this weekend, the, the Bronco Charger game, but it was a CBS crew. And they said, you know what? If the Broncos had Justin Herbert, if he put a put on a Broncos uniform right now, that's a team that could contend for a championship. How far off is that? How far off is because uh, I think the roster's really good, and I don't know if it's all Peyton, but some of these young guys that he's bringing in, like Young, we just talked about, they seem to be fit. They seem to be doing well, and yeah, if they're not, uh, he he ushers them out of town real quick. I, I like what he's doing. I definitely like what George is doing. He's uh, he he's definitely deserves some co- commitment as far as how he's looking at the the roster, how he's adjusting the roster, and, and uh, how he's transferring, uh, transitioning the roster over. But uh, as far as just to say, hey, if they had, if we had Herbert, or if we had Mac Jones, or uh, quite frankly, just uh, an know, upgrade, I guess it would be. Yeah, right. I, yeah. Uh, to say if we just had an upgrade, well. We still need, I feel, the line to be intact, the offensive line. You know, as you can see, Herbert is taking a lot of, you know, hits and and pressure in San Diego, and their line is better than our line right now, I would say. So so to say that, I mean, he may – I mean, you have to look at – I'm a a real devil's advocate guy when it comes to that, when you just say so-and-so would be better here because Herbert might come here and get his ass kicked you know, week in mm-hmm. and week out and be a different quarterback and start seeing ghosts. I don't know. Uh, I mean, I don't know because he's not yeah, in that position. True. You know, I, I just don't know. Who knows how mentally tough he is? I mean, you look at Baker Mayfield. They talk about Baker Mayfield supposed to be this, that, and other. He's got his ass kicked down in Cleveland. And he looks a funky mess right now. You know? They should just be happy how long they've been looking for a quarterback as good as Baker is. I mean, let's make, let's say he's not even a top 10. When's the last time they had a top half of echelon quarterback in Cleveland? I mean, and now they're just destroying the kid. 
Yeah, and, but my point is this. My point is the kid went from sugar to, to, to the stinky stuff real quick yeah. because he got beat up. Because, yep. you know, because the line wasn't great and he got beat up. And so now you're talking about do we need a different quarterback? <laughs> so that could have been, you know, Herbert here. If he came yeah. here and got beat up for two years and seeing ghosts and all of a sudden we would be saying, do we need a different quarterback? So you just don't know. You know, you don't know. I, I'm not one to just say you can plug and play a guy and they would be so much better unless the guy was just sucking it up. Teddy Bridgewater has 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 had some mistakes, but he has not been horrible. I mean, if you look, although well, W show it right, yeah, Teddy Bridgewater has been a, a a upper in the say I would say sixteen somewhere in there, 15, yeah. 16 quarterback. He hadn't been horrible. It's not mm. like he's in the lower half of the quarterbacks. He's in the top fifteen, you know, uh, of the quarterbacks. I would definitely say that. So. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know how much, you know, unless you bring us Tom Brady, you know, unless you bring us, you know, the kid Mahomes who we're about to play, unless you bring us, you know, probably Lamar Jackson or somebody. Or other Russ. That, we could take yeah, Russ. Yeah, I'd take Russ and maybe Russ could, you know. But other than that, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put a whole bunch of quarterbacks in front of Teddy Bridgewater and just say, hey, all of a sudden, we would have, you know, one loss. Instead of four or five or whatever it is, you know what I'm saying? No, I don't know. True. I don't know if there's many quarterbacks out there that are four, you know, four wins better. That's what I'm saying. The other thing I wanted to talk to you about: uh, two wide receivers got paid. Cortland Sutton, Tim Patrick, two guys that have kind of been rocks. I mean, Cortland's coming off an injury, but you know, Tim Patrick's been working his butt off. He finally gets paid. Cortland Sutton got paid. I think he. Uh, that's kind of the tandem going forward because you have the other guys, Judy, and on the uh, rookie deal. What I wanted to ask, a lot of people are upset because remember when Emmanuel Sanders and Demarius got that big money and all that stuff. Besides that, what does this do for the locker room? The rest of the guys in this locker room see two guys that come in, work every day, have some amount of success on the field, finally get paid. For me... I always want these guys. I really like to get paid. I think it's awesome. And uh, what does that do for the locker room when you see guys like Tim Patrick and Cortland Sutton get that next deal at their franchise they're at? Uh, I mean, it, it inspires locker room. I mean, mm -hmm. no, no ifs, ands, or buts about it. What it does, it galvanizes the locker room because here's the thing. I've been in both situations. Mm -hmm. I've been in a situation in Detroit where Quite frankly, a lot of you guys will not believe it, but Detroit, when I was there, we won the, the division three out of five years. <laughs> we actually, yes, we actually won a playoff game as well. We actually went to the NFC Championship game, one game away from the Super Bowl. Yes, I'm talking about those same Detroit Lions that you see right now that have not won a game. We actually won. But what happened inside of that locker room was this. You have Jerry Paul, who's a big-time performer on defense. You have Chris Spielman. You have Benny Blades. You have myself. You have guys on offense that were big-time performers. And Detroit didn't pay us. 
We went out and played over and above our contracts, and Detroit didn't want to play us. So in a matter of years, what happened, we lost Jerry Paul, we lost myself, we lost Benny Blades, we lost William White. You know, guys went to other teams to get paid. So what did that do to that locker room? It told that locker room, hey, it doesn't matter if I go out and bust my ass for these Lions, if I go out and play and give blood, sweat, and tears, they're not going to pay me. They're not going to appreciate me. So, hey, why not just go out and, and do what I got to do just to get my money and move on to somewhere else? It does not energize or galvanize or make your locker room go and say, hey, I want to run through a wall for you. Now, you switch that and you go to Denver, when I got to Denver and myself, Terrell Davis, Rod Smith, guys like that, all of us, you know, who performed, Ed McCaffrey, who came from other teams and performed, we all got paid. So what, did, what does that do for the next man beside you? It makes him say, hell, if Ray got paid, Rod got paid, TD got paid. So if I perform, they're going to pay. Hey, so here we go. We're going to perform. Now we're out there competing against each other because it doesn't matter what round you got drafted in. It doesn't matter what team you came from. It doesn't matter what your background is, what your mama name is, what your ethnicity is. It doesn't matter what your religion is. I'm going to pay you if you play. So that's what this does to a locker room when you pay guys like one guy on one hand, who was an early second round pick, who hurt his knee, who came back, fought his way back, and, and put all that work in, got paid. Then you got a guy like Tim Patrick, who was a free agent, who everybody you know looked over, comes out, works his butt off, works his ass off, he gets paid. Two guys on total different spectrums, but it doesn't matter. Perform and I'll pay you. And if a guy, if a, a, a coach, and if a GM puts that out there, you best believe the rest of the team will be galvanized and energized to go out and play. You know, for me, the uh, I was not sold on Peyton coming here because I don't want the Broncos to be like the Vikings because they never win anything. But some of the stuff that he's done, like the young players, and I feel like that was his way of saying, we're changing the culture here. We're going to keep our good guys here because in the past, you know, whether it's John Elway or whoever, they always waited till the 11th hour and ended up having to pay more like the whole Brock Osweiler situation back in the day. Exactly. When he ended now, up you overpaying, now you overpaying a guy out of desperation. Yes. You know, and, and that's, you never want to get in that. You, you never, I look, I I've learned and my pastor used to always tell me this, that you never make a permanent decision in a temporary situation. And that's what we were doing in the past. We were looking at a guy like Oswald who plays six games, have six good games, six temporary games, and we make a permanent decision to pay him. And yep. then he comes back and sucks it up. You know, pay a guy when they deserve to get paid. And then you won't get in, de in desperation mode. Some people get happy, though, when they get paid, right? Like, that was the goal, and now they're paid, and now they're done. Not everybody has that love for the game, though. You know what I'm saying? It's kind of sad. Well, the, the bottom line is this. <laughs> That is correct, and that possibility is there. But I always look at a guy who who works day in, day out, year in and year out, rather than a guy who is a fly-by-night guy. You know, like like you look at some of these Jimmy Garoppolo and some of these guys who had one year, and you go out and pay them. 
You right. know, anybody can have one year. You know, as my pops used to say, any squirrel can find a nut. Right. <laughs> you know, but but you get continue to feed yourself and, and and do it over time. That's what I'm looking for. I think it was like Flynn when he went to the Seahawks and uh, Russ beat him out. Exactly. That was big Same money thing. right there. Same thing. You, you see it all the time. So, you know, so, you know, I think that, I think that was a good move. Moving on to the chiefs, the Denver Broncos have an 11 game losing streak against the chiefs. And, you know, that kind of sticks in the crowd. The, the losing streak started. It's funny. Paxton Lynch had his best ever performance in the NFL. He had a couple of touchdowns. Patrick Mahomes was playing that day for Alex Smith. Mahomes didn't have that great of a day, but he didn't, uh, have any touchdowns anyway the broncos end up losing that was the the start of the losing streak to the chiefs and there's been a lot of heartbreakers along the way how did you look at the chiefs when you played was it you know that's a division rival obviously you have to win yes kansas city is a tough place to play usually you went there in december and it was cold and we all know that stadium is like you know the fans are right on top of the players i mean you know, did you get up for that game? Like, what that was the, the a game. It's like I told you this before we came on the air. As a Broncos fan, I never really thought of the Chiefs all that much. Like, they never put any fear into Broncos country because it was and, the Chiefs. And, and, and see, and that's that's where you're absolutely wrong, in my opinion. Especially when we played. If you go back, I didn't put. Okay, let's just say let's say this. When I left Detroit, I came to Denver. Of course. It was all about the Raiders. It was all about the Raiders and the Broncos, the Raiders and the Broncos, the Raiders and the Broncos. But after my first year with the, with the, uh, <laughs> quite frankly, the Chiefs had Joe Montana at that time. That's true. And we all remember that Monday night game. Exactly. So, so that same year, I had already transferred my mindset. I said, dude, the Raiders aren't that good. I didn't think so. I mean, even right. that first year, like I said, that first year, I just thought we had to switch our defense. I told the coaching staff, I was like, look, the only reason why the Raiders have been kicking y'all ass is because y'all play cover two. And they got these fast receivers that you cannot cover and cover two. But if you put hands on these guys, if you really get some balls about yourself and play man-to-man, and put hands on James Jett and Tim Brown and all these fast receivers, they're a whole different team. But we were letting them, you know, I'm saying, I say we, but the Broncos were letting them run, un, you know, untouched, playing cover two. And that's why they were getting killed. The minute the Denver Broncos felt, hey, we have Ray Crockett, and if we go get some other guys who can play man or who's formidable at least, to, it's a different ball game. The Chiefs, to me, was a bigger rivalry because you don't have a rivalry if you're kicking that team's ass all the time. And that's, true, what, we that's, doing with the, you know, that's what we were doing with the Raiders. We won, what, 10 out of 11 games when I was there against the Raiders? That's not a rivalry. That's a homecoming game. <laughs> I'm like, so I, I switched my attention to the Chiefs because the Chiefs was the game that we were split with. Even when we won the Super Bowls, the Chiefs beat us. <laughs> we had we had to go to the Chiefs to get a win to win our first Super Bowl. So yep. the Chiefs, in my opinion, was always a rival to me. It was a tougher place to play, and they had better talent. And I feel, quite frankly, they were better coached. So to me, the Chiefs was a rival for myself when I was with the Broncos, and that's why the Chiefs 
ended up giving me a bunch of money was because the last game I played against the Chiefs, I had two interceptions and a one for a touchdown. So the Chiefs paid me, you know, the end of my career <laughs> because they understood that that was the rival. It was the Denver and the Chiefs. You know what I'm saying? So for me, I, I felt I felt the Raiders was was the old school rivalry before I got there. But when I got there, I, I, I felt it was the Chiefs. I really do. And I feel, as you see now, it's still the Chiefs. <laughs> oh, 100%. Isn't it kind of sad to think that some of those chief players don't look at the Broncos as a rival now? It's oh, been 11 in a go. row. Yeah, that's and, and, and that's because, like I said, once you start beating a team continually, you, you know, the rivalry aspect goes away. But you could best believe the Chiefs knew, you know, beforehand. But, you know, it, it, it all, and, and here's the thing, man. It only takes one good victory to start the rivalry again. You know, yep. so if the Broncos go out and get a win this week and, and, and the rival is back on, you know, because the respect to come back with once you beat a team over and over and over and over, of course, you're going to lose some respect for you, you just can't help it. I mean, that's just part of the business. But I, I, I think this year it, it's going to be tough. You know, this game is going to be tough for the Broncos to get a win. But I will say where the Chiefs are right now that there's a good opportunity for them to definitely go in and compete because the Chiefs are not – they're starting to play well again, but they're not clicking on all cylinders. And the Broncos, I feel, has improved in areas that we needed to improve in order to be able to compete. Our secondary is finally starting to play like the secondary we hoped that they would be at the beginning of the year, the highest-paid secondary in the NFL – they're starting to play and perform that way. They're starting to communicate better. They're starting to perform better. Patrick Sertain, as you can see, is starting to play, you know, out of his mind and, and being in right positions. And those are the things that we def, you know, desperately need in order to compete against the Chiefs and their high-powered offense. Well, we got uh, we got Kareem coming back. We got Stranad, Young. There's guys on that defense now that you can put on Travis Kelsey to, to make things more difficult for him. It's funny, this came out, and I don't know what this actually means. Tyreek Hill was did not participate yesterday, and it was a non-injury-related thing. So more than likely, nothing. he'll be a full go on uh But it means Sunday. nothing. Yeah, it means nothing. I mean, it, our it problem, means nothing. Yeah, our problem this week is going to be at the quarterback position first and foremost. You know, is Teddy Bridgewater healthy? You know, he's had a couple of weeks where he's hobbled around and, and he's been in and out of games. Is he a full goal and is he healthy enough to do what he's capable of doing? Not to play out of his, you know, ability, but to do what he's capable of doing. And, right. and if he is, then that's going to bode well for us. And then uh, the, the key for us is going to be we are starting to do well what the Chiefs do not do well. They're not great at stopping the run. Mm -hmm. So we're starting to run the ball really well from a physical physicality standpoint that can make teams have to think about us, have to respect us. And, and if we do that, then that's what's going to really make this game close because it's going to be, it's going to do two things. One, you're, you're going to go out and you're going to say, Hey, we are going to set a precedent that we're going to be physical. So we're going to make you be physical. You're not going to be able to run around blocks like the Chiefs love to do and get to the quarterback. You're going to have to come right down our button 
you know, right down our helmet and get to the quarterback because we're going to be right down yours. We're going to be physical. So that's the first thing. And the second thing is that now is going to make them have to play our receivers, Patrick and Sutton, our bigger body guys one-on-one. And we have an advantage on the Chiefs. The Chiefs cornerbacks are not that big. They're not, you know, long. They're, they're, they're smaller guys. Even you look at Tyrone Matthew. Tyrone Matthew is five, nine and a half. We got bigger body guys that we can position ourselves to, to make some plays against, to make them have to come around us. You know, everybody know that this league is a PI happy league, a pass on the fairest happy league. Mm-hmm. So 50, 50 balls, things of that nature. All of those things are coming to play this week if we go out and play the way we're capable of playing. You're 100% right. Chiefs are number three in the league at bringing blitzes. And if they can't stop the run, then those corners are going to be out on an island. And you know what? You can get the honey badger to bite a little bit on a play action and, and get behind oh, for him. sure. For sure. And, and and the reason why the Chiefs are number three in the blitz is, once again, because they can't stop the run one-on-one. They can't right. stop the run with their six or seven-man front. They have to bring eight or nine. So that's why they blitz. They, they do more run blitzes than they do pass blitzes. It's more so for the run. So if we can get them into doing some run blitzes and we can match protect from here, you know, from time to time and give Sutton and, and give Patrick an opportunity for some 50-50 balls, that, that could bode well for us. So Sunday night, NFL flex the game. So prime time NFL game for the Denver flex, Broncos. Baby. <laughs> so cool, man. So, Ray, I'm not going to ask you for prediction, but I'm going to ask you for a prediction. What do you think? Well, you know, I'm going to give you a prediction, and I'm not going to give you a prediction. <laughs> right. I'm going, to do what I, I'm going to do what I did before. I'm going to pick the Broncos to lose by three in hopes that they would prove me wrong again like they did against the Cowboys and win. <laughs> so I'm going to say the Broncos are going to lose by three. It's going to be a tough, a hard-fought game, but I think the Chiefs still just have a little more than us offensively, and, and I think that'll get it done. Now, what can be the equalizer is if we end up making, like I say, some of those 50-50 balls, some of those pass interference, or some of those big catches over the top, or our secondary ends up making a couple of wild plays. And and if that happens, then the Broncos have an opportunity to win. Then it's on. I'm with you on that. I think the Broncos, I I think they're going to make us proud. I think they're going to make Broncos country proud. I think it's going to be a tough game. I think it's going to all boil down to Patrick Mahomes making a couple of more plays than the Broncos offense this time. You know, the AFC West right now, it's freaking crazy. You got three teams at six and five, Chargers, Raiders, Broncos, Chiefs up at the top seven and four within reach for everybody. But I think we're the only division, we're the only division in NFL that every team has at least six wins in. It's so cool, right? That's I mean, cool. That's and cool. honestly, I don't know how the Broncos got here because I just feel like it's been and, such and I was and I was just about to say, don't you feel good though that with all of what we've been through, mm. right? With all of what we've been through, it feels like we've already paid a full freaking season already. Mm. But with all we've been through, here we are playing a flex Sunday night game for the division league. So with cool. all with all the fire, look, with all the fire shammer, with all the fire fangio, with all the, the cut bridge water, with all the switch quarterback, with all of that, we are sitting on a Sunday night flex game playing for the division league. So cool. Hey, so that's that's the NFL. <laughs> that's the NFL. We've got Raiders are hosting Washington. That's probably a win, although 
riverboat ron keeps that team in every single game no matter what it's so weird and i, I mean, love that like quarterback man ears. i love the quarterback tough i like nails. him too yeah man, he's tough as nails you gotta root for that kid and at the end of the day i just love what the kid's about i'm like you the raiders should definitely get this win if they go out and perform but you just don't know you know what team is going to show up for the raiders but hey either way either way Whoever wins this game, I'm going to be happy for them. I'm going to be happy if, if, if the Washington beats them. And I'll be, quite frankly, I'll be happy if the Raiders win as well because it just makes the division even tougher. Chargers are going to Cincinnati. That is a, That's gonna a, be a battle beat. for the Chargers. Uh, especially after this game. Especially yeah. after last week. Herbert has a lot to, to go out and perform for. He, he has a lot to get back on his mind. The Chargers, quite frankly, have a lot of get back on their on their mind. They have to play better, man. They have to play better as a team, and all units have to. Have, the Chargers have been the Jekyll and Hyde of the AFC. They've yep. been that. We play well on offense. We play bad on defense. We play bad on offense, and we play you know well on defense. They have to put it together, and if they do, they're, they're going to be. But Cincinnati, boy. You, That's you legit, love, man. They're real. You gotta man. love what they're doing, man. They they are real, you know, real deal. Holyfield over there. They're, they're going out throwing hammers. You know, they, yes, they're they not ja they're not jabbing. They throwing real hammers. They throwing the right cross, trying to knock you out every time. And I love it. I love it. I love to see Cincinnati compete. And and I and quite frankly, the reason why is they got a bunch of young guys that don't know no better. Right. You know, you you got you got you know your quarterback. Is a national champion quarterback. Your wide receiver is a national champion wide receiver. They got some young guys over there. Eli Eli Apple has has come to you know look like the guy that came from Ohio State as a first round draft pick instead of the guy that went to the Giants as a bus or whatever yep. they wanted to call it. The defense is starting to play well. So man, they got a bunch of young guys that if I I went down on that roster. Why did I do this? I hell, I don't know. I think I was bored. I think I was watching football and I was bored. But I went down in that roster and I saw like nine, 10, 11 guys on that team that won national championships in college. Yeah. So huh. that's a new that's a nucleus with a background of winners. You know, bunch of young guys that don't know no better. And, and they're playing that way. They're, they're playing like they hey, that they are used to competing and used to winning national championships. So they're competing well. I like it. Using your analogy, they're throwing sledgehammers at the Steelers and uh, that whole uh, division's on notice because I don't see the Bengals going anywhere. Um, not saying they're going to be a Super Bowl champion, but that's going to be a tough out from for a long time to come. So you and I are both on the same. We think the Broncos are going to put up a good effort, hoping for a win. I just want the Broncos to go out there and play well, be in this game, and uh, uh, make them work for it. How's that? <laughs> I mean, but we got, we have, we, the one thing that we do have to do, I, I love the fact, like I said, I love the fact that, that we are showing Broncos country and we're showing the world an identity of physicality, an identity of toughness, identity that we will punch you in the mouth and, and, and punch you in the mouth again, and then punch you in the mouth again, if you continue to talk smack. I like that, but we do have to find a way to get our Look, $90 million guys, the ball. We, we got to get more than two catches out of Sutton and two catches mm -hmm. out of Tim Patrick and two catches out of Jerry Judy. We got we got to figure out a way to get our receivers the ball in space and make some things happen. So with that being said, if we do that, 
you know, somehow, somewhere, we got to get some bigger plays. We, we do. We have to come up with some bigger plays. We have to push the ball down the field. But keep the physicality, Shermer. Do not change that. Keep punching them in the mouth. So we're going to come back next week, talk about a Broncos victory, and then we get to talk about uh, one of your former teams, the Lions. That'll be, a, that'll be an interesting uh, talk. Good stuff this week, Ray. Thank you very much. And, and, and the Lions are coming to the Broncos country, <laughs> From, mm-hmm. from my understanding, I, I may be at that game. So Broncos country, if you want me to come to that game, reach out to me, DM me uh, at uh, at Slick Pick Six Thirty Nine, or hit me on uh, Instagram Croc Thirty Nine. Let me know if you want to see me at that game, and uh, and I, I think I might show up. I, I might, you know, since it's my two old teams, I might have to do that. I might have to leave. Look, I, I might have to leave the big D and come to the little D's. <laughs> do you, Do you think they could talk? Uh... You, Megatron, and Barry Sanders into putting on the uniform one more time this week. They need to know. (laughs) If they did that, I guarantee you the victory. (laughs) Good stuff, Ray, man. I'll talk to you next week, bud. All right, baby. See you next week. See you then. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube you know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks that's what our podcast people are the worst brings you with each episode i'm rachel And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.